This is a very serious podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our next episode of Splank Nicks. I'm your host, independent author Claire T. Walker. And today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, my daughter, Hannah Kubiak. Hi. How are you, Hannah? I have of late, but wherefore I know not, lost all my mirth, forgone all custom of exercises, and, indeed, it goes so heavily with my disposition that this goodly frame the earth seems to me a sterile promontory, this most excellent canopy the air, look you, this brave o'erhanging firmament, this majestical roof fretted with golden fire, why it appeareth nothing to me but a foul and pestilent congregation of vapors. What a piece of work is a man, how noble in reason, how infinite in faculties, in form and moving, how express and admirable in action, how like an angel in apprehension, how like a god, the beauty of the world, the paragon of animals. And yet to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights not me. So in other words, awesome. All righty then. So we'll be back to talk about Shakespeare in just a moment. Welcome to Splanknicks, the Society for the Preservation of Literature, the Arts, Numinosity, Culture, Humor, <laughs> Nerdiness, Inspiration, Creativity, and Storytelling. So, Hannah and I are going to be talking about Shakespeare today. I, I wanted to do this because we, every time in the introduction, I say, Hannah is a Shakespeare, or a, a theater professional. Mm -hmm. And you just mostly take that for granted because I have never demonstrated my professionalism in you, that area. That is not true. You have demonstrated your professionalism in that area many times. Oh, like at the beginning of the show when I would come here and not prepare and I would sit here and act like I knew what I was talking about? No, I mean like how you have literally directed professional produ productions of Shakespeare. You have acted mm -hmm. in, you've played roles in Shakespeare. You have been a cast member mm -hmm. in which Shakespeare plays and list them. Are we including college? Yes. Okay. My very first Shakespeare role was as Holofernes in Love's Labor's Lost. I had a bit role as the tailor in The Taming of the Shrew. After that, I came here to Milwaukee. Did my first professional production, I was Ophelia in Hamlet. After that, I was Lennox in Macbeth. I directed Titus Andronicus. I was Solerio and the Prince of Aragon. In uh, Merchant of Venice? Merchant of Venice. And you did that in this hysterical cowboy. That's uh, right. Southern yeah. Yeah. Like, Ooh -wee. Ooh -wee. It was very funny. And recently, I played Peter Quince in A Midsummer Night's Dream. So when I say that I introduce you as a theater professional, I mean, that's not even all of your credits. You've done mm -hmm. lots of things not, you know, uh, not Shakespeare. something other than Shakespeare. But I thought this would be great because you know how... In our early uh, podcast episodes, you, you once said that the way you prepare for the podcast is to go downstairs into the studio and sit down in your chair. Yep. I decided that old days. <laughs> I decided that that's what I was going to do. I'm going to come in here to the studio and just sit down, and we're going to learn about Shakespeare from, from you. Okay. And I have what now? <laughs> I have some questions. Oh, okay. Ask away. Well, actually, let's back up a little bit. Sure. A little back background up, back about up. Shakespeare himself. Oh, sure. Okay, so Shakespeare was an English playwright. Yes. He was born in 1864 and died in 1616. Mm -hmm. he Both is, on April 23rd. Yeah, his 52nd birthday. Mm -hmm. That was our amazing Splanknik's math, which we verified before uh, sitting down. 
he's uh, known for being um, an Elizabethan era playwright. You'll, you know, the, the, the roughly lace circular collars, mm-hmm. famously known as Elizabethan collars. Yep, yep. Because Queen the, Elizabeth I, the era was named for her. Which we use in veterinary medicine all the time. We still call them Elizabethan collars, mm-hmm. also known as the cone of shame that mm-hmm. we sometimes have to put on animals. And his hometown was Stratford-upon-Avon. Yes. Where he was born and died. Like a story was delightfully bookmarked. Yeah, Not indeed. Book, it, it was delightfully bookended. And bookended. What is yeah. wrong with my, my my words today? I just I can't get it. Okay, that's fine. We're only doing a podcast. I don't need my voice. So, and his most famous um, venue for his plays was the Globe Theater in London. Yep. So, so everyone, I think, has basically heard of Shakespeare. But I would say that a lot of people, if you ask them, they would say they actually hate Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Or they might say, here's another way. What would you say to someone who says they hate Shakespeare, Hannah? Or, put another way, they would like to like Shakespeare, but they just don't get it. Gotcha. Okay. So I would say that the reason why somebody would not like Shakespeare, why someone would hate Shakespeare is because they simply don't understand it because they weren't, they weren't taught it properly and they weren't, they weren't given the material in the way that it was designed to be presented. So Shakespeare wrote plays, which means that they are meant to be performed and viewed by audience members. They, the reason that you should read a play is so that you can figure out how to perform it for people who will watch it. So that's why I read plays. And that's why I do not. Yeah, yeah. So I read H- plays. Hannah, of- literally, the only time I've ever read a Shakespeare play, almost any play, I would say, is because I was, I was made to at school. Right, yeah. And th- that, I agree. I I think Shakespeare is best enjoyed as it was meant to be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And leave it to the theater professionals like you to read it and figure out uh-huh. how to produce it. Yep, just leave it to the professionals. Ways to take in a Shakespeare play are to go and see a play. There are lots of movie adaptations of Shakespeare plays. Uh, participating in a stage reading of it would be fun. Like, mm-hmm. Or just reading it with friends. Like I know that when I was in college and we took our Shakespeare class, myself and a bunch of other students in the class... When we were studying a new play, we would all get together and we would, like, deal out the parts and read it together. We have done that mm-hmm. in our family. Mm-hmm. When you kids were, when you were in school, this is when you guys were in third grade or so, mm-hmm. we did our own reenactment of the final finale fight scene from Hamlet. I remember that, yeah. And it was so cute. I played the queen. No, you were the king. No, I, I was the king. That's right. Teresa was the queen. Mm-hmm. And and she was so cute when she says her little line, Hamlet, the dwink, the dwink. And so then she's just sort of, ha, oh, fell over. Fell over very dramatically. Yep. Yeah, it was great. And, and, uh, yep. And did you and and Sergey, um, did you play Hamlet? I and was Sergei Hamlet. Played, Sergei was uh, Laertes. Uh, Laertes. And we had, a, uh, we had a sword fight. Yeah. And then we both died. Yeah, that was great. And I think... I, when I gave you the poison cup and I was like, here, drink up this poison and join your wife in death, you know, or whatever. I, I, I put the cup to your mouth so like forcefully that you fell backward off your chair. (laughs) Yes. And I, I just think that that was a beautiful moment because this was a little family Mm -hmm. literally reenacting one scene from Hamlet and we have not forgotten it. No. And it was so fun. And that just shows you Shakespeare is accessible. Even to children. That was great fun. And another uh, time that I remember 
having a lot of fun with Shakespeare was when, this is when you kids were a bit older, and you had some friends. This is, again, in the homeschooling group. That's right. And they were studying Julius Caesar, and they said, all right, let's do this. Let's get together, all of these kids who are studying this play, and let's let's do a reader's theater. Mm-hmm. And so we all went over to um, to the house of these people, and you and I and Sergey and Teresa showed up wearing bedsheets as togas. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the host... Of of this family, were like, oh my gosh, this is epic! And so they like opened up the linen closet, got togas out for everybody, and yep. we and we picked all the parts out of a hat. And do you remember who you were? I do not remember who I was. I do remember that we all swarmed my friend Jake and pretended to stab him because to death. he was Julius Caesar. Yeah. yeah, I was Cassius. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Also, when I was in college. We did we did the same thing with Julius Caesar. So it was the Ides of March, and so we did this thing. Well, it was while I was studying in Austria, and myself and the other drama students who were there, we all went out into the courtyard wearing our bed sheets as togas. And my friend Mike, as students were like coming out of mass, he was standing there and he said, "Well, they told me I should not go forth on the Ides of March, but." Caesar shall go forth. And people are walking by and they're just like, what the heck? And it was the Ides of March? It yeah, March it was 15th. the Ides of March, which is why we did this. Excellent. And um, and then the other two students came in and they were like, hail Caesar! And they like stabbed him and he fell over. And then I like was up on this parapet and I was like, friends, Romans! And I like strolled down the stairs giving this speech, you know, and over my friend Mike's dead body. <laughs> and then we all went to our philosophy class still wearing our togas. Excellent. Yeah. That is- <laughs> absolutely epic that is so cool so yeah so if you so i would say to a person who hates shakespeare or would like to like shakespeare but doesn't get it just watch it act it out with some friends mm-hmm. even if it's just a scene we would do this uh this saint crispin's day flash mob as well where we would give out parts for from the crispin day speech yeah i, I don't remember from henry five from henry fifth yeah. yeah um and we would go to basically the the commons, the quad or whatever, we would like place ourselves around everywhere. One of us would start, today is called the Feast of Crispian. He who lives this day in, he, in something, something will stand a tiptoe when the day is named and rouse him at the name of Crispian. And then somebody else across would be like, then will he strip his sleeves and show his scars and say, these wounds I got on Crispin's day. And they'll just be like going around all these people saying a couple of lines. And then we'd all, you know, we'd be like, all right, once more, I have good friends under the breach. Yay! And then we'd all charge out the doors. <laughs> Let's say that you go and see a show and you still don't understand it. There are a couple of reasons for that. What do you think they might be? Well, I think one of the reasons why you might not understand a Shakespeare play, and I can tell you this because I've had that happen, is when the actors say their lines way too fast and um, don't deliver their lines in a way that makes the meaning plain, mm-hmm. including body language, movement, um, emphasis and inflection, mm-hmm. actions that illustrate what some of these unfamiliar words mean and some yeah. of these unfamiliar phrases. And that's one of the things I've, I've noticed a lot is actors who say their lines too fast. Yeah. There is a story, I believe it's it's from a book that I have. This is A Shakespearean Actor Prepares by Adrian Brine and Michael York. I couldn't play this scene all right. Oh, wait, no. I'll just start again. <laughs> I could play this scene all right, said the drama student rehearsing Othello. Only the words keep getting in the way. 
The tutor was taken aback by this claim and looked around for an apt reply. The words, he told the Othello pupil, are not just any old words. Othello is not a B-film for which a dialogue writer has been hired to provide the actors with a few lines to keep them occupied when they act out the situation. On the contrary, the words are the scene, and the scene is the words, and you can no more separate them than you can separate the ingredients of mayonnaise. Right. The words. Okay. Yeah. So if people say, I could play the scene all right, but Shakespeare or the words keeps on getting in the way. Yeah. Uh, you're kind of working against what's supposed to be helping you. Yeah, I'd say. Well, because when you read a Shakespeare play, like the, what, the few that I've mm -hmm. actually looked at, there's nothing in there but words. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. There's no parenthetical remarks. Well, very few, I yeah, should say. No, it's like parenthetical remarks that, that give the actor any idea yeah. how he's supposed to deliver this line. Mm -hmm. You'll say, you know, they enter. Mm -hmm. They exit. They die. That's yeah. about it. I mean, you don't you don't get what we call a little parenthetical dialogue mm -hmm. notes. You would think that that means, oh my gosh, like they're not telling us what to do at all. I don't know what to do. No, but that's but the no, beauty it's, of it. It's yeah, exactly. You so so someone who doesn't like Shakespeare, who hates Shakespeare, mm -hmm. because but they just don't get it. What, what do you what do you say to them? They seen they seen a a, a version of a play mm -hmm. and they still don't understand. All right. What so I would then, say what about say? that is that there's this preconceived notion that uh, Shakespeare is boring and complicated. Like, teachers give it a lot of reverence, but really it shouldn't be put on this pedestal as something for the educated only. Like, Shakespeare wrote for the, for the pit, which was the people who came, they like paid a... They paid a penny or two or something to come into the theater. They couldn't even afford a seat. They just stood in the pit. So these were like, you know, the commoners, you know, and there's all this, um, all this stuff was sort of intended for them because he kind of had to, he had to compete with like bear baiting and dog fights and um, stuff like that, you know, so it had to be entertaining. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of the words, the wordplay is... Well, Much Ado About Nothing is one of the plays that has a lot of awesome wordplay where when they first meet, Benedict says to Beatrice, what, my dear lady disdain, are you yet living? And she says, and she says, is it possible disdain should die when it hath such meat food to feed it as Signor Benedict? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I remember when I was in high school and we had a good English teacher. Mm -hmm. she, she knew how to present Shakespeare to the students. Mm -hmm. She read it aloud yeah. to us. And at one, so she sort of performed it for us. Yeah. And we would follow along mm -hmm. in our, in our text. And at one point she was reading it and reading it and reading it. She says, blah, 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 blah. And then she, she looked up at us and she closed her book and said, what's wrong with you people? Do you realize that the Elizabethan English would be rolling in the aisles, laughing their heads off at this, what you have just read and you don't get it at all. Mm -hmm. And she, so she's kind of making fun of us. But yeah. Then she would explain the humor. So I think that if you have seen some Shakespeare and you still don't understand it, don't give up. See more Shakespeare. Because if you go in, Shakespeare is one of the most often produced just works of drama ever. Like Romeo and Juliet alone has been made into like 50 movies. For every good performance of a play, there's like 50 terrible ones. When it's well done, you will understand what they're saying. It's our job to make you understand what we're saying. And it's our job to, um, it's our job to communicate properly. So if you don't like a Shakespeare play that you saw, that's actually my fault. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right.
It's right. not like, oh, I didn't understand it. I'm too dumb. I'm like, no, I'm just not good at. I'm just not good at acting Shakespeare, I guess, if you didn't understand what was happening. Right. The production wasn't good. If, mm-hmm. if a regular person cannot understand it, um, because that's, like you said, that's who it was designed for. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about the, what about the language? Uh, mm-hmm. The language that it's done in. English. Ex- English. <laughs> it is yeah. done in English. However, it's an English that often sounds to even native English speakers, even native English speakers from England. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a foreign language. And I think it's because it's in verse. It's, mm-hmm. it's, Mostly unrhymed, iambic pentameter. Now, the Elizabethan English did not go around speaking in iambic pentameter, and yet all the plays are are written in this form. Mm. Why do you think that is? You know a bunch of songs from the 80s. Whenever a song comes on from the uh, f- on the radio, uh, you, you know it, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, give us an example. You're a real tough cookie with a long history of breaking little hearts like the one in me. That's okay, see how you do it. Put up your dukes and let's get down to it. So yeah, yeah. So there's a certain music, there's a certain rhythm to that song that makes it easier to remember. So Shakespeare, he wrote in verse in iambic pentameter. Often it was for actors as well, because iambic pentameter is easier to remember than just regular prose hmm. so i often have more trouble learning my lines for a more modern piece there's no like beat to it or anything but iambic pentameter is basically also uh, pentameter means five each foot in this instance in iambic pentameter is two syllables so pen- pentameter is five feet with two syllables each iambic means that each foot is an iam which means that it has an unstressed syllable and then a stressed syllable so da 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 yeah so to be or not to be that is the question that sort of rhythm also resonates with people and it resonates with their with with their hearts because it actually kind of mimics the rhythm of a heartbeat Hmm. Now that's interesting because I don't think I've ever seen a Shakespeare play mm-hmm. where they delivered that line like you just did. To be or not to be, that is the question. Mm-hmm. The lines are delivered using very natural English. Yeah. In 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 a way in such a way that conveys meaning and emotion with pauses and mm-hmm. stresses. And you can still tell though. If you're going to if you if you switch up the inflection of that line, for instance. So if you went to be or not to be, that is the question. In English, particularly, that's sort of the rhythm that we follow naturally. Yeah, and it's, it's a bit subliminal, isn't it? Because subliminal, going, yes. yes. Shakespeare is subliminal messaging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever seen, have you ever seen the, um, the Shakespeare abridged? Oh, the complete works of Shakespeare abridged. Right I when have they seen do, it. when they so do, funny. when they do Hamlet, they do, they 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 do Hamlet, and then they do it. They do it faster, and then they do it faster again, and then they say, "Now we're going to do it backwards." They say, "And now, make sure you listen out for those uh, satanic messages." And they go and they start <laughs> doing the backwards. play, and someone's like going backwards, like Frank Sinatra is God. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've seen that play. It was very funny. Yeah. For the complete works of Shakespeare abridged. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended. So 
So people who, uh, who say they hate Shakespeare, who don't understand Shakespeare, just need mm-hmm. to watch more Shakespeare. Yes. One of the things that uh, people could perhaps criticize Shakespeare for, these plays are over 400 years old. Yeah. What, what do they have to say? That's not the play's fault. Uh, well, I know. I know <laughs> yeah. it's not. But people will sometimes say, this thing is 400 years old, more than 400 years old. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're imprecisely dated, but they were written in the, in the late 1500s. Yeah. So what do these plays have to say to modern 21st century people? Ah, yes. Okay. Have you, well, have you ever been, have you ever been jealous? Yes. Angry? Yes. Have you ever been in love? Yes. You ever had your heart broken? Yes. Fallen for the wrong person? Yes. Disobeyed your parents? Yes. Um, <laughs> been in massive debt? Yeah, well... Taken out yeah. an ill-advised loan? Desperately sought a parent's approval despite unrealistic demands? <laughs> well, I think we all have done that, yeah. yes. Uh, forgiven someone who wronged you, even though it was really hard to do so? Ooh. Mm. Um, suspected your loved one of cheating? Or been obsessed with someone who didn't love you back? Taken weird drugs? Gone into hiding, plotted revenge, faked your own death, made your enemies into dinner. These are all <laughs> universal. Oh yeah, we've all made our <laughs> human experiences. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Back up. How many made our enemies into dinner? That's a universal human experience. Let's just jolly well hope not. <laughs> well, I do know some weird people, Mama. <laughs> all good literature, no matter how old it is, mm-hmm. it speaks to modern people or people of every age. Yeah. Because, uh, but the, see, that would, that would be what would be the problem with Shakespeare if he was just solely, like, political or, or whatever, or, like, mm-hmm. writing about modern, very, very yeah. sort of provincial, yeah. limited sphere. That's actually one of my pet peeves with people making Shakespeare is when, or, or doing Shakespeare, is when they try to politicize it for now, basically. Like, I saw a production of a play one time where... It was blatantly obvious that it was a criticism of Donald Trump because it was like 2016. Something okay, had just been. And I, I like I was I was watching it, and there was like a thing in the program about like parallels or whatever. And I was looking at it, and I was thinking to myself, I, you know, I come to the theater so I don't have to think about this kind of stuff. So I so don't. You, so you can get away from contemporary. So I can get politics. away from contemporary politics. Yeah, drama is not about pointing out other people and what they do wrong and what's wrong with them and how they're a horrible person. It's not about saying, look at me, I am above these people that I am portraying in this, in this story. I would never do that. No, um, theater is about, theater is about, about us. It's about everybody. That I would do that. If it, if Mm -hmm. if it came to a certain, what would it take for me to make my enemies into dinner exactly yeah it so, would be possible that's that's yeah you're right that's what theater explores mm-hmm. it's going into like this darkest depths it's like what what would i have to yeah. go through and do what sort of compromises would i have mm-hmm. to make to become that kind of person yeah and then you have to realize yeah that would be possible yeah. when i directed titus andronicus my main thing was i wanted my audience to if they were to stop the cycle of violence and uh revenge Stop teaching your children to be angry and bitter. I still got like a critic who compared a comparatively minor character in the play to Donald Trump. With this petty monarch in this play, how relevant today? And I'm like, it's like, would everyone stop thinking about Donald Trump and yeah, think Don- about <laughs> your own issues? Why don't you look inward, grow some self-awareness, and then learn how to become a better version of yourself. I, I agree. I think that you made a very impassioned plea for why we should 
what, what we can enjoy about Shakespeare, how mm-hmm. he, we can apply um, some of Shakespeare's profound insights about human nature to our mm-hmm. own lives yeah. and our own situations. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed this little discussion, mm-hmm. listeners. Go enjoy some Shakespeare between yes. now and our next episode, and we will. We're gonna we're gonna keep talking about this. Are we? Yeah. Is there more to say? Oh my gosh, there's always more to say about Shakespeare. Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. Bye now, everybody. Bye-bye. We'll see you next time. The Splanknicks podcast is produced by Claire T. Walker and Hannah Kubiak. You can contact us by emailing splanknickspodcast at gmail.com. We welcome episode topic suggestions, personal anecdotes, and corrections for those rare occasions when we don't know what we're talking about. Visit splanknicks.com for show notes and transcripts of all our episodes. And follow us on Instagram at splanknicks underscore podcast. Claire T. Walker is an independent author with two self-published books, The Keys of Death and Startling Figures. Learn more about Claire and her books at clairetwalker.com.